It's New Year's Eve 2019. You're in a room full of your friends and family and all day long you've been seeing those 2020 will be my year posts on Facebook. You're really excited about the new year. You've got massive dreams and plans and you're super hopeful. Joy is tangible in the room. Three, two, one. The new year is here. So January is a bit slow, but I guess it always is. And then in February, things start to pick up. We have some storms here in York. We have um, a bit of flooding. Uh, We hear a little bit about coronavirus, but we have enough problems with Brexit on the horizon. (laughs) And then in March, things seem to get really frantic. Every single day, something changes. Before you know it, you're having to stand one or two metres away from people and it feels really rude and unnatural. And then you can find to your own home. What seemed like a year of opportunity feels a bit more like a year of liability, just something to push through. If you're anything like me, the months seem to blur together a bit after that. I want you to put all of that to one side for a minute and come on a journey with me to the very first Christmas. The year is 1 BC. You're walking along a dusty road in Israel and it's really warm outside even though the sun has already set. It's a really stunning evening and you're off to meet some friends. You're really excited because you've heard that there's going to be a new king. But then someone told you that the king's going to be a baby and you're a bit confused about how these two things go together. When you get to your friend's house, they tell you that this baby is actually the son of God. And now you're even more confused because how could a baby be the son of God? And why did God become a human? And none of it seems to make a lot of sense. And then your friend explains that this fulfills the prophecies that had been written. And you remember that you've learned about these. And you realise this baby literally changes everything because it is the son of God and it's going to come and take all the burdens of the world on its shoulders. And this is going to mean that you can have a personal relationship with God. You've only ever accessed God through your priest. And you realise this really does change everything. You get a sense of that excitement that everybody else has. And then you start to tear up, overcome with joy. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. You have enlarged the nations and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at harvest. So our setting is a little bit different to that first Christmas. But our joy remains the same. Because this Jesus literally changes everything. He flips everything on its head and this joy infiltrates our daily lives and says that you have a hope that even in the face of such great despair you are in the presence of the king of the world. So my parents have a video from when I was a kid and it was Christmas day I think I was about three years old and I'd been given a baby doll and I'm clutching it to me and running around the room holding it. I'm completely oblivious to the fact that there's other presents, that my sisters are opening gifts, that there's a Christmas dinner on the way. I love this baby doll and everything else seems small in the knowledge of having this baby in my arms. 
The joy of Christmas and the joy that Jesus came to the world as a baby is so much bigger than the joy of me getting that little baby doll when I was three. It is so important that we understand what Jesus means for us. So I want to start by reminding you, you've probably heard this before, but joy is really different from happiness. In our society, they're always used interchangeably. But happiness is a fleeting emotion. It's reaching the top of the mountaintop and then falling down afterwards. But joy is a God-given gift. So in Isaiah 9, we just read, you have enlarged the nations and increased their joy. It's worth remembering that this was actually written 700 years before Jesus was born. I find it really easy to read Isaiah 9 and with the hindsight of everything that happens with Jesus being born and his life and his death and resurrection, it's easy to read that and think, well, yeah, that makes sense. That is what happened. But this was written 700 years before it happened. That would be like something in the 1300s, which is 200 years before Henry VIII even existed, being written to say, in 2016, Donald Trump's going to become the US president. That's crazy. So this is 700 years before Jesus had even been born. And that's why it's so incredible that these prophecies in the Old Testament, these things that were spoken, do come into being in the New Testament and in the birth of Jesus. There's a lot of themes that we see carried through the Old Testament and into the New Testament, and joy is one of these. As God's people, we've always been called to be joyful and to rejoice. In the Psalms, we see the command to be glad in the Lord and rejoice, to shout for joy. And even the natural world is called to rejoice. It says, let the heavens be glad and let the earth rejoice. So before Jesus was born, God sent John the Baptist to prepare the way for him. And while John was still in his mother's womb, we read that many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great before the Lord and make ready a people prepared for him. So the joy God's people would have in Jesus was so real that they could see it looking in the face of the messenger of John the Baptist. It's a little bit like the excitement that builds before a big day or event, and everything leading up to it reminds you of what's to come and it makes you deeply joyful. So that's before Jesus has been born, and then at the birth of Jesus, the angel tells the shepherds, do not be afraid, I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a saviour has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. So here we see that the King has come. And how do we do anything but rejoice at the knowledge that our saviour Jesus is here? I want you to think about a time when you had waited for ages that something that felt like it was never going to come. So maybe it was a big party, might have been a wedding, might have been a holiday, or it might have been the day that you were reunited with someone. For me, when I was eight, my older sister got her ears pissed. (laughs) I was desperate to get mine done. And for two years, I had to wait until I was 10 and then get my ears pissed then. On my 10th birthday, I Well, the first thing I did was go straight to get my ears pierced. I came home and I took a picture in the camera, like the webcam that went on top of our computer, of me with my earrings. Maybe it was one of the first ever selfies. And I put it on the thank you card to send to all my friends and family for their gifts. Because I wanted everyone to know that I'd had my ears pierced. (laughs) And that was just one story of waiting for something for two years that I was really excited for. But these... People have been waiting, creation had been waiting since the very first day 
My two years waiting for my ears pierced is nothing in comparison to that. So the birth of Jesus was long awaited. And the reason that Jesus came was to take our place. He was sacrificed on the cross and he saved us and put us in right standing with God. Even in the midst of some of the worst circumstances like the persecution of Jesus, the message has remained the same. In Luke it says, Rejoice in that day and leap for joy, for behold, your reward is great in heaven. So that joy that was spoken of in the Old Testament really did come to be. And given that we have seen God be faithful in this way, we can trust that he will continue to bring joy to us now and forever. As a nation, we can trust that the Lord enlarges our joy. What a radical thing to believe in 2020. What would your life look like if you had more joy? What would this year look like if you saw it through the lens of joy? It's really easy to think, this is all well, of, well and good and um, I know that Jesus brings me joy and I, I am thankful for that. But it's just been a really terrible year. I can't begin to rejoice in the face of what I've been through. I want to say Jesus sees your pain and he feels the hurt and he sits with you in that. A really practical way to see your life through the lens of joy is to learn how to rejoice even in the circumstances. And one way to do that is to give thanks. In Romans it says, For although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him, and their thinking became futile. When we give thanks to God, we lift our eyes off of our circumstances and onto who he is and what he has done for us. So what are you thankful for this year? Who are you thankful for? Is it the way that your neighbours all came together and helped one another? Is it the chance to spend more time with your kids this year? Maybe that morning cup of tea that replaces your commute? Was it your colleagues who have supported you through a really busy time? There's so much to be thankful for. And in being thankful, we have the antidote to this mindset of futility and we increase our joy. It's great to find joy in the little things. When I moved into my flat in July, um, I bought way too much at Ikea. And one of the things that I bought was three cushions for my bed. One of them is like 60 inches by 60 inches. I think it's literally like, it's like this giant square cushion that I probably didn't need. But every morning when I make my bed and put my cushions on it, it brings me so much joy. I just love seeing it tidy. Now, I'm not saying that buying stuff you don't need at Ikea is the antidote to difficult circumstances. But joy is, and we can find joy in the little things, and we can be thankful in everything. And like I said, joy is a fruit of the spirit. And the more we practice being joyful, maybe that's through giving thanks, the more we receive the gift of joy. And what a beautiful cycle this is. So I want us to go back to that first Christmas and grab hold of a little bit of the joy that they must have felt. Jesus came to the world to save us and with our eyes set on heaven, we can live in the joy that he gives and it is our strength. When Jesus ascended into heaven, it says that the disciples worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy. When you have known Jesus personally, and when you know that the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, it's impossible not to realise this joy. Despite our sorrow, we turn to worship. Rejoice, G2. So now I want you to walk with me through this. I want you to imagine this. It's New Year's Eve 2020, and you're reflecting on the year that's passed. 
It's been tough, but you're finding things to be thankful for. And then you turn your eyes to the year ahead. 2021, it's still pretty uncertain, but there is a glimmer of hope, of the vaccine, of hugs that are to come, of new journeys, jobs and friendships. And as you're pondering all of these things, there's a knock on the door. You're a bit confused, but you go and open it. As soon as you turn the handle, light floods into your home. There's not a corner that isn't completely blinded by this light. It's so bright that you can't see anything. And out off the stillness and the beams comes a gentle voice. Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of a saviour that will cause great joy for all the people. 2,000 years ago, in the town of David, a saviour was born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. And into your room enters Jesus. He embraces you and you let the warmth of that hug wash over you, healing the pain and confusion, stilling the worries and the fears of the year. And he speaks to you. I will never leave you. My promises are still true for you. You are totally at peace. The kindness and presence of Jesus reaches the deepest hurts in your heart and replaces them with hope. And all of those things you were pondering fade away because you realise that you don't face them alone and you're ending 2020 with Jesus right by your side in your house and you're walking into the new year with him. And the joy of being with your saviour overwhelms you. G2, this is the joy that we carry today and every day. For us walking in the darkness of 2020, we have seen a great light. Though we live in a land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. Our God has expanded our joy as a nation and we have so much to be grateful for in his presence. He has shattered the yokes that burdened us. For us today, in 2020, a child was born. For us, a son was given and the government is still on his shoulders. And he is our wonderful counsellor, our mighty God, our everlasting father and our prince of peace. He is our joy, as true now as that first dusty night in Bethlehem.